to That Geek Pod. I'm Catherine, and today from that scruffy-looking podcasters, it's Ed. How are you going, Ed? Hey, I am happy to be here. It is a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, so at Celebration, I think you were like, hey, <laughs> when am I going to be on? <laughs> I didn't invite myself on, did I? I? I didn't mean to. I was just wondering, you know. No, it was it was perfectly fine. Like I need a bit of a kick up the backside sometimes about about um, this podcast. You know, like weeks will go by. I'm going, oh yeah, I haven't podcasted in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen. Yeah. So London, that seems. A long time ago. Yeah. That was really fun. It was really nice to meet everybody there. Yeah, it's it's one of those, this is why we travel across the world, you know, to do it. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a photo of that last day. Um, <laughs> it was at, what, where was the food truck or should I say, where was the beer dispensing machine? Because that's where yes. the photo was. The best part of celebration. Oh, I mean, to some, it was the best part of celebration. Uh, where there's vending machines that would just pour your own beer. I thought that was incredible. <laughs> and then, like, there was no lines because it was so fast. It's perfect. Yeah, just just magic. Like the joy that you all got out of this <laughs> beer vending machine. <laughs> yeah yeah uh it was it was a good time it was a good time um because because when, when i was in line at an actual like kiosk like with people helping you know serving and stuff and then like we're in line and this 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 kid comes up and to the back of the line and he's like anybody getting beer because there's vending machines way down there. And I'm like, no way. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank you, dude. And I ran down there and oh, it was the best, best moment at that time. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but very different from an American convention, you know, people walking around with beer. Yeah. 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 Um, they, they, they said, I talked to the people there. They said that they were, those machines are coming to Boston like soon. So it's going to get here at some point. We'll see. Yeah, that would be dangerous to come to Australia. I mean, I'm sure it's dangerous already in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my bank account doesn't like it, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So celebration memories. You so you got into what the visions panel? Um, yes, that visions was really fun. Um, I got into the first one, the very first one. What was oh, it? Lucky. I don't know what they called it. The Lucasfilm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lucasfilm one, and then I didn't get into the the next day one, which Jimmy, the guy who's uh, he's on my podcast, got into. But uh, sure, we, sure. we, 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 <laughs> sure, yeah, him. Uh, we, uh, it was hilarious because 
he's such a Thrawn fan and we all got into that first panel and saw the back of Thrawn's head for the first time in the world before Jimmy. And it was like, oh, man. But he got to see his face the next day, which now everybody has. But, uh, yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. Well, the Lars Mikkelsen, like, that's an excellent choice. Of course, we're all thinking Pierce Brosnan after Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his hairline could use a little uh, help, but I, I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've seen Thrawn in Rebels, but before that it was just like the cover of Timothy Zahn's books. Yeah. Did you did you read them? Yes. Yes. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I did too in high school, so I don't remember a whole ton about it, but I loved them, loved them. Yeah. They they were like the EU books that I reread. Like I had a lot of them, but then there was a certain point where I went, yeah, I'm going to stop. I Was it The Courtship of Princess Leia or The Witches <laughs> of... Um, Dathomir, yeah. Yeah, da- yeah. Around that, that, that. That was in... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess here. In high school, I read that book, Courtship of Princess Leia, and I actually really liked it because it got to me emotional. I think it's because I was like a teenager and I was like, I don't know, emotions, you know, when I'm saying feelings. And I'm reading it and like Han and Leia are like fighting and then she's like wants to be with this prince and stuff. And then they're on Dathomir. And I, I actually, I have <laughs> fond memories of that book. So, uh, but I can understand when someone wants like a typical Star Wars story that it's not what they were expecting. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that the EU went places, but the. That Thrawn, the Heir of the Empire original trilogy was just, oh, so good to get some more Star Wars again. Yeah, yeah. I um, I actually met Timothy Zahn in Florida at the Orlando celebration. And I got his, because the Thrawn, first Thrawn book from the new trilogies came out. And I got a poster signed, and I I thanked him. I was like, "Thank you for keeping Star Wars alive in the '90s." And he was like, "Oh, you're welcome." Like he was like genuinely happy. So I was yeah. yeah, was it was that a um, Chicago celebration where we saw the first? No, it was before that where they they had a trailer for Rebels and they had Thrawn in it, wasn't it? Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was at a celebration. You're right. I think it was Chicago. Because I, I I didn't get into the panel. I think I was watching it on Yeah. You know, at the main stage or whatever. Uh in the public quote unquote area. <laughs> and uh everybody erupted. I think Filoni announced it or something. It's like Thrawn, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it's one of those He's one of those characters from the EU that's so memorable to bring him in. Yes, Filoni. Yes. 
correct mm. move, Floney. <laughs> yeah, I I do kind of hope they kind of like you know Ahsoka's coming out in the trailer came out recently. We can talk about that later, but I do hope in Ahsoka that he's kind of played off as not pure villain, and he's kind of like. Like how you kind of feel for him too at the same time, because like in the books and stuff, that's kind of how it is as well. Yeah, he's not, especially in the new canon, he's not so much a villain. Yes, he's working for the Empire, but he has his own reasons for that, and he's just so coldly logical and can just outthink everyone. It's it's yeah. cool. It it. it it's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes. That's how I equate it to, yeah. uh, kind of. Like when I was reading the book, I didn't actually read all of the latest ones, but the first couple I did, I was like, this feels like a Sherlock Holmes kind of deal going on where he like outthinks um, his adversaries and gets promoted in that sense. So, Yeah, so yeah, I've read all of the current ones. But it's interesting how there's the... The trilogy that's set, you know, um, before New Hope, and then there's like a prequel trilogy where he's in the Chiss Empire, and we still don't know why he left the Chiss Empire. Like we get the idea that there's a threat within the Chiss Empire, and he wants, yeah, he wants to find allies, and mm. he sees that potential within the Empire because they have technology that the chiss don't um the hyperdrive for instance because they have to use i'm going to use the word here skywalkers <laughs> i sense you don't really feel too fondly of that name oh yes and no like it it was a bit of a oh you went there okay okay yeah i yeah. like the concept i really like the concept that that's how they navigate hyperspace is using force sensitive people or beings and yeah and they need more of them because you know, by the sounds of it they're pretty rare and difficult to find and children it's, it's and isn't yucky. isn't that how they found the hyperspace lanes to begin with with the cuz you know in the um in the high republic well, yeah, in the High Republic, Marshawn Rove and all yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah. So I've read all of the Phase 1. I haven't read the Phase 2 where they go further back and to that discovery of the hyperspace lanes. But, yes, it's very much, if not outright said, you know, implied that the first hyperspace lanes were found and navigated by four sensitive people within... There was a, f a family and, yeah, one person for that family, yeah, Marcion Rowe, had. Wasn't, that. That, wasn't the name of that family somewhat significant? Now I'm trying to remember. Yes. I can't even. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember it now. And it's was, like it, <laughs> was it the family of the old guy at the start of um, Force Awakens? Yes. Yes. Santeca? Yes. Um, oh, no. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Lor Sinteca. Yeah. 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 You're good. Good memory. Yeah. Don't ask me to remember, you know, like important stuff. 
<laughs> Star Wars, though. It's Star good. Wars, That's what matters. Yeah. yeah. You know, like everything about Star Wars, nothing about, you know, practicalities. <laughs> we don't need that. No. No. Yeah, so Ahsoka. What are we thinking? Thoughts? Sabine's um, I'm hair. Hope, I'm hoping we see more Purgles. Um, I'm wondering if Ezra's going to have a big role in this, at least first season at all. Because I don't know. You don't see him in action in any of the trailers. No. But that we see Thrawn, because the last time we saw Thrawn, he and Ezra were together on that ship being dragged into the wilds of space by those Purgles. So you'd think that we'd have to see him. And they've cast someone as Ezra. Yeah. Do you, do you hear this rumor about the uh, Jason Sindula being not green? Did you hear about that? I've seen the Lego. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we see Jason Sindula in the last little bit of Rebels with green hair, but not green skin. And yet, in the Lego, he has brown hair, which. You know, yes, is the same color that Kanan's hair was, so makes sense. It would make yeah. more sense that his skin was green or greenish, you know, based on Hera, and he didn't have any of the um. Leku. Neku. Leku. Leku. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Yeah, the green hair, when you sit down and think about it, you go, oh, that doesn't make sense. But, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you never up, know. Yeah. You know, it's genetics. Yeah. yeah. People are up in arms. It's like, yeah, he could have just dyed it. I'm yeah. sorry to True. break it to the world. I would not be blonde. <laughs> I, I, I keep my hair short. I keep my hair short because if I don't, it shows a lot of gray. A lot of gray going on. Yes. I do need a haircut right now. <laughs> Too much gray showing. But yeah, uh, it's. I, I I'm excited to see what they do with the show. It seems like they got a lot going on. So, um, from that recent trailer that was just shown, it looks like it's directed pretty well. The acting looks pretty good. The writing looks pretty good so far in the, from the trailer. Yeah. So it makes me pretty excited. It's 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 kind of something that I it's almost impossible for me to be disappointed with because I just love Ahsoka and like I love Force Lore. Like Force Lore is my jam. I love that shit. It is so good. Uh, no offense to Andor. I did love Andor. By the way, I didn't think I. I didn't think I. I was like, I walked into Andor. I'm like, you know, it's like, we know where it's gonna end up, but let's see what they do with it. And I just watched it. and I was like, this is the best. It's. I think I like it more than Mandalorian. So yeah. there's that. Like, it's yeah. just so well done. So well done. Excellent but, um, answer. Yeah. You passed this test. <laughs> 
Um, Mandalorian, I mean, they're kind of just, it's kind of apple orange because Mandalorian, it's just, the audience is different. So yeah. I, I think, um, I, if Ahsoka is more like Mandalorian, that's fine. I'll still love it. And, you know, and Obi-Wan, same thing. I loved Obi-Wan because of Force lore. Yeah. Um, but I could see why people had issues with it as well. Yeah, with Ahsoka, it is feeling far more like a Rebels continuation than like Ahsoka as a, you know, lone samurai wandering the galaxy type of thing. But, you know, that's okay. Rebels is very well loved out there. And there's a lot of episodes I reflect back on and go, oh, yeah, that was some good Star Wars. That was some good stuff. Have, have you binged Rebels, or have you, did you just watch it as it came out? I just watched it as it came out, and I'm doing one episode a week, which isn't enough really, with the Star Wars Minute Saturday edition because they're reviewing uh, the Rebels episodes. But I'm listening to another podcast, and each episode they're talking about a season of Rebels. And it's like, uh, yeah. That's I, a lot. Yeah, you know, it's every couple of weeks, it's, you know, it comes out and they'll talk about it. But it's a bit, yeah, I think it might be better on a binge rather than sitting on Puffer Pig for a week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched it week to week and I was, it was fine. Like I wasn't blown away by it, but but like from when I talk to people, most people are like, "You got to binge it; it's way better." So I started watching it with my kids. Uh, they're seven years old, and they they're like kind of in and out of it, but um, it's way better. Walk, yeah. Watching it straight through, I will say. So. Well, with Clone Wars, it's admittedly a bit hard to find here in Australia all the time. Um, but when I was watching it, I was tending because I was coming to it a bit later, doing like three episodes at a time. So I'd watch basically an arc in any one watching session, and that was a good way to consume Clone Wars to sort of do, yeah, do an arc at a time. So yeah, I can see Rebels being that type of show as well. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. think because you start getting nitpicky when you watch week to week and it's you start being like, oh, Ezra, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, I don't know. And with binging, you get this overarching story that continues to like hit you. Yeah. And it's like, it's better. Yeah. You know, I, th- I thought of Rebels the other day because I'm um, not to tangent a little bit because. I've been binging Deep Space, Star Trek Beach, Deep Space Nine. Yes. I haven't seen it all ever. So I'm I'm starting from the beginning. I saw like in the 90s or whatever. I saw it yeah. like spotted, you know, like here and there. But I watched more next. I was more of a next generation person. Um, <clears throat> there was an episode where Kira Darius gets like entrapped in stone in a cave with yes. um with Odo with Odo and I don't know why but I thought of the Rebels episode where um 
Agent Callus and um, what's his name? Zeb. Zeb, yeah, Zeb. Yeah. Get are like <laughs> trapped on that moon over Genosis or whatever it was. So I don't know. I was like, oh my god, there's a parallel. Yeah, yeah Deep Space Nine's great for putting two antagonists together, you know, or just two people, even if they're friends, together in a confined space and just see what happens. Yeah, because it ha- it happens again with Kira and Gold Ducat on yes. that when they go to that planet or whatever and find the try to find that ship. Yeah, put anyone in a shuttle with Gold Ducat, and <laughs> they will want to punch him real hard. Yeah, he knows how to push buttons. Yeah, he's one of the top ever villains in anything ever. Like he's he's pretty amazing. Yeah, because because you kind of like him too at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, he loves like... to monologue. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I just I just started the fourth season, so like oh, I'm like, yeah, so I'm like halfway through that season. I'm like season episode eighteen or something like that. But Worf is a breath of fresh air from. The previous seasons, I I liked the previous seasons, but this is like a totally like new level of like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it takes off. See, yes, there's definitely weak episodes in season one and two, but then there's some really good episodes as well. And in the third season, it starts to pick up a bit more steam as they work out who they are and who the actors are who the characters are you know yeah Q in Deep Space Nine doesn't work they they figured that out um yeah but yeah I love I love the fun sprinklings of the Ferengi society throughout it's just it's so it's like almost like comedy relief because it's so perfect I, I don't I don't know who thought of that but it's it's genius. It yeah. really is. Well, that's the hilarious thing is that in the first episode of um, Next Generation, the Ferengi were meant to be the big bad. They were, like, talking about them eating humans. And it's like, yeah, no, they are now comedy relief. <laughs> they are not a threat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and it's and their their ways of society kind of like not fully reflect ours, but it, like it brings to light some issues we have in our societies, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, and it makes you think about it. Yeah, I don't know if you're there yet, but there's episodes where quarks workers unionize. That's the one I just saw. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's great. It's <laughs> I love great. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, led by Rom and, yep, Rom and O'Brien, who, oh God, O'Brien, he's Chief O'Brien's my favorite character in Star Trek. Yeah. They should have used him more in, in Gen- Next Generation, but um, you didn't know until you put him in the role. Now he's in, in DS9, he just thrived big time. You know, they do love the torture O'Brien episodes, though. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 
I think, you know, he had, you know, a good career going off and making other movies and other stuff while he was doing Deep Space Nine. So I think his filming schedule was interesting when I you know, read a little bits about it. But um, yeah, he's I, great. I don't remember a lot. He was. In, I know he was in Con Air. Like I know yeah. random, but like it's like you know he was that like detective guy or whatever. Oh, but I don't remember him in much else. The commitments. Um, haven't seen he was it. the dad in the commitments, so okay. he, you know, he would have done a lot of Irish movies. Ah, and, that would make sense. Yes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, whenever he turns up in something, I'm just O'Brien. You're the best. Yeah. Colm Meany. I think oh. it's probably pronounced differently because it's Irish, but yeah. Anyway. But oh yeah, Deep Space Nine's fantastic. And oh, I'm I'm finding that out, and I think I like I'm. It's approaching the I like it more than Next Generation. <laughs> well, the thing is that blasphemy. I don't know. No, no, it's n- <laughs> not in this house. Uh, it's it's the. Only Star Trek series that I have completely on DVD box set. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. And they are chunky, Mm -hmm. chunky boxes. Can I just when That's back when there were like 26 episode seasons. Yep. It's crazy. Chunky. And, but the boxes themselves are these big plastic things that have, um, that fit together. Like you have to squish them together because they've got grooves and things sticking out. I'm not explaining it very well at all. But they're, they're big. They're big chunkers. But must, must look pretty cool, though. It's good. They're, they're in a drawer at, um, <laughs> where I used to live. I did have a big shelf where I could have things displayed, but I don't have that here. But, yeah, physical media. People don't know. People don't yeah, remember. They don't. They don't. Yeah. VHS, like, all that stuff. They don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's like at the video store. Do you remember that they used to have some videos? The front would have like liquid in them that and like googly eyes and blood in some of the horror ones, like liquid. Yeah. On the, in the case. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, VHS. No, now it's all just internet, and you don't really own it. <laughs> no. As people are discovering that things can just disappear mm-hmm. or change. Yeah, vo- voodoo can just be like, uh, we're gone. See ya. Yep. Yep. That's scary, actually. Now, um, back to Ahsoka. So she's trying to find Thrawn to eliminate him, I assume. But I think think she's mainly trying to find him to find Ezra. I think that's her main concern, right? Yeah, that was, I think, the impression that I got because at the end of Rebels, her and in that little montage thing, her and Sabine were like, yeah, let's find Ezra. So you'd yeah. think that's what they want to do. Um, 
day because well, otherwise, oh, speaking of Sabine, what would you what you think of that master thing? Like, like, does that just because Ahsoka taught her how to use the dark saber a little bit, oh, or does well, she Kanan, actually have the force or something? Or Kanan did, That's yeah, yeah, Kanan yeah. did. I can see Ahsoka continuing to teach her how to wield a lightsaber, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's force sensitive. Um, right. And I think I've seen that argument online. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we haven't got any confirmation that she's force sensitive. We haven't got confirmation that she's not. But she she wields a saber in the trailer. Yeah. Am I right? Um, doesn't mean she's force uh, Ezra talks to her and says, when a Jedi, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't mean she's a Jedi or has the Force either, because I looked up the wording and I was like, "Yeah, that still doesn't mean it." So I don't know. I think I think Filoni's trying to like trick us a little bit, which yeah. which makes sense. It yeah. Seems like something he would do. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they had her wielding the dark saber, so and she was able to do it, unlike um, Mando. Uh, she was able True. to do it. That is a fact, yes. Yes. And so perhaps Ahsoka just continued her training because she was showing potential. And, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. there's a huge time gap. So we don't yeah. know. They could have, anything could have happened. Yeah. Anything, anything could have happened. Yeah, in some ways I, I do think oh, I should just binge through Rebels to get like the timeline straight in my head of – and the world between worlds and what all happened there. But then I go, oh, but then there's stuff you haven't watched. You know, like I'm still going through season three of Barry. And <laughs> and I, 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 I got through half a season. I'm I, I, not because I, I didn't stop because I didn't like it. It's just lots of things to watch. Yeah. It's, I love the premise, though. And I haven't gone back to Succession since I came away for Celebration. So I've got like half a season or more to go of Succession of the last season and it's just sitting there waiting for me and I'm a bit, I don't really care. I So I tried Succession. I think I got somewhat into the first season and lost interest. Um yeah. Maybe if I kept at it, it would have gotten better. Uh, obviously, it would because people are raving about it. So obviously, I missed something. Um, it, acting and writing was great. I think maybe it was just the setting didn't like appeal to me. Uh, I just moved on. I did watch a lot of C. Did you watch C at all on Apple TV? No, I've heard about that. Jason Momoa. Yeah. <laughs> I got through two seasons and I started the third and I was like, I didn't, I don't know. The second season ended like it was the ending and then they had a third season. So you can imagine, Hmm. I don't know. That's another one of the Apple TV shows that have one word titles. So C, severance, shrinking, uh, physical, silo. Silo, yeah. Um. I think there's other ones out there, but yeah, there's a lot of just one word titles on Apple TV. It's, it's quite funny. 
um, foundation. That's all you need. That's oh, foundation. Yeah, that's all yep. you need. Um, of those, what have you watched? Have you Silo. Um, that was. I love Silo. Me too. That was yeah. great. It was great. The ending. I didn't think the ending was going to be like that. That was. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But yeah, that was. Uh... <laughs> it was. It was fantastic. I've, I've read the books, but it was a few years ago, so I can't remember them. So, and apparently they've diverged in some ways from the books, but not so far that it can't come back. Mm-hmm. That they've sort of combined a few events from a couple of books and and things and in, improved the pacing for a television show. But it's like oh, it's just so well realized because mm. I remember seeing was it Hunger Games. Mockingjay Part 1 when they're in District 13 and they're in that a kind of similar structure. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a silo. That's like wool, the book. And I really want that. And now we've got it and it's great. And it's Rebecca Ferguson and she's awesome. So, yeah, I've ever since I saw her Mission Impossible, I've had a thing for her. And Fair yeah, enough. She does not disappoint in this so good she's amazing like she's so good in mission impossible that she brings it to every scene she can stand her own against tom cruise and you know we first see her when she's at the opera or something in that fantastic dress one leg up in the sniper position Mm -hmm. but she can handle her own. She's fantastic. I love her so much. I want to grow up to be Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, um, I I love her. Um, probably not quite as much as you love Andor, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He so. didn't get a he didn't get an uh, Emmy nomination, did he? No. No, like the show got one and there were a few other nods. Um, but Stellan Skarsgård did not get a nomination for Best Supporting Actor and that, that. That's disappointing. You know, Very disappointing. They're on my sheet list for that because how can you not? Like I'm sure he, it would have been submitted and that the everything scene mm-hmm. it, it, it's just how can you not that monologue is so oh. good it's so good it's um it's just amazing like they did they got a lot of nominations from what was it the hollywood critics award but it looks like they had categories for streaming and other categories so they did pretty well there but the emmys it was all succession and white lotus which and then and then uh, not to shit on obi-wan or anything but they got a nomination for like best limited series and i was like but andor didn't yeah isn't andor a limited series i guess not because it's two seasons i don't know because there's going to be two seasons and it was 12 episodes yeah kenobi was said that it was just be the one season of six uh, episodes. Okay. I guess that's but why. But 
because they still have that drama and comedy and comedy is basically if it's 30 minutes and drama is if it's an hour. That's basically how it's come down to. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's not you good. Know, Stalin's Garsgard should have gotten nominated. It's just a crime. I want I want to shout out. Now we're talking about Andor. Can we talk about Andor? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I can talk about Andor. Yeah. Uh, the actor who plays Cyril. Um, oh, Cyril Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Like, I'm 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 watching Andor, and I'm like, there's no other time I'm watching Star Wars when things are happening on the screen from the acting that don't require the actor to say stuff. So like, like think like he'll act and like show feelings on screen, and I will know what he's thinking. Or would be saying in like, if he was in The Mandalorian or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like it's so well written and directed that I am getting the feelings and where the story's going without any words being even said. Yeah. And I don't get that in any other Star Wars, unless like maybe a little bit here and there. Like I don't know, Kylo Ren sometimes does it, but it's. It's it's incredible what Andor's done, and it's I'm I'm surprised they didn't get more nominations. Yeah, they got I think they got some a nomination for One Way Out in the Emmys in the Hollywood Critics Awards. They got nominated for Rick's Road, and it's like yeah, they're the two best, like just fantastic yeah. episodes. I mean, God, One Way Out. So good. Yes. God. When you can have amazing, more than one amazing monologue in the same episode, it's pretty good. Like, yeah, because it's Kino Loy and Luthan Rail both have these amazing monologues, very different, but just amazing. And oh, God, it's so, it's such a good show. Even De- Diego had something too when when he was like convincing, yeah, um, Kino Loy to to step up like that. I thought was a decent like monologue as well. Yeah, when he's talking about power doesn't panic, and you know he'd rather die trying to take them out than live forever under this under the thumb. And, yeah, and then he takes it and uses it. In, yeah. 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 And, you know, and at that point I remember thinking he's listened to Nemec's manifesto because power doesn't panic. Like, yep. Yep. And, God, it's, it's so good. But just like even the episode before building and – and right at the very end, Cassian just says, how many guards are there? And Kino says, never more than 12. I don't know about you, but I jumped up in the air, was punching it, and was just, yes, 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 yes. And I think that was just the reaction throughout everyone watching was just, it's on, baby, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was so good. Yeah, when you real when that cuz you didn't know what he was going to do and then when he suddenly gave that information he's like, "Oh, it's it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong." That's right. It's happening. Yeah. And uh, Andor is the one also another thing. Andor is the only Star Wars content I've watched where I've been watching like the the um the heist episode where they not heist but like where they go to try and get the gold but yeah. they do get the credits <clears throat> where I've I've been I'm watching it and I realize I'm holding my breath. Oh yeah. The 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 way the the music and everything comes together and you're just on the edge of your seat. Edge of your seat and and even at Rick's Road in the lead up I could I was so tense in that the procession leading down and then all coming together for Marva to speak. That too. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, I, that, I, that's, like, that's why I say apples and oranges with Mandalorian. Cause Mandalorian was like, uh, the introduction to here, here's the, we're using the volume. We're doing all the, this is, this is live action TV and it's star Wars. It's, it's amazing. And it, it, you know, it's for everybody. But Andor, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's an HBO series. Not, I don't know, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's, it's, it's geared. Age. It's definitely geared towards adults. Uh, the acting's way better. The, the writing is really incredible, and um, it, it's, yeah. it's shown very. It's right there for everybody, and I, I. I, I hardly ever post on Facebook. I post on Facebook. I was like, everybody needs to watch the show. <laughs> it's like one. I know it's Star Wars, but put that aside. If you don't care about Star Wars, just watch it. Cause it's a good TV series. Like it's really good. Yeah. Well, you know, I rant about it all the time. I'm just trying to get everyone to watch Andor because it's, fantastic and yes going to ear nose and throat surgeon yesterday i had a star wars jumper on and he goes oh you like star wars yeah yeah <laughs> just a little yeah. just a bit and yeah he, he said oh yeah i liked it and um and I, somehow i got around to you know because he's like oh yeah I, I like the mandalorian and i'm like yeah Yep. Have you watched Andor? <laughs> the big question. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm like, you really should watch Andor. It's really, really good. It's about Cassie and Andor from Rogue One. And I, I then brought up a photo from, on my phone of it. That's Cassie. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's your home screen. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I may have a folder in my photos of Cassian. And and nearly all of my animated ones are Cassian gifts. Um, but he wrote down Andor on his little notepad. So, oh, maybe he'll watch it then. That's yeah, cool. or convert one person at a time. I I have multiple friends. I keep pushing it, and they haven't gotten around to it yet. They're like, oh, and then you know, Mandalorian season three comes out, and they start watching that. I'm like, what happened to watching Andor? You're watching. <laughs> Anyway, it's it's frustrating, but there's no Grogu in it, right? 
have have we not seen B two emo? Like, come uh, on. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Mm-hmm. Way more oh. useful and way more better, a better sassiness. Yeah. <laughs> God, he and he made me so sad. He's like a little dog. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He, I love how Star Wars does that. I love it. Oh, they they know how to pull at the heartstrings. And what I, one thing I loved about Andor was that there were actually a lot of little Easter eggs in there, but they weren't in your face. They were all in the background, and they're just obviously something where writers have gone, oh, you know, I need some planet names or something's happening. Can you give me that? And they're like, oh, Scarif, uh, this, this. Um and of course, Luthen's shop is just full oh, of them. Yeah, it's littered with it. It's great. Oh, it's so good. The show is Mon Mothma. Like we could go on and on and on. Everything and about it, everything <laughs> about it, is what I want. Like when I read the books in the '90s, I wanted a show like that. Yeah. Like I wanted to see the ISB building. I wanted to see the officers walking around, you know, like I, I wanted to see that and I saw it. I wanted to see, you know, Mon Mothma and her regalia and all that. And all it, it's, it's like almost like a dream come true watching that show. Like yeah. from the nineties. Yeah. It's, it's that banality of evil, that everydayness of, of the empire, what it must be like. And I loved seeing um, Cyril Khan's apartment with his mum. How Love just that. For those few seconds each day, there's sunlight coming through his window and he's sitting there waiting for it. Yep. It's, it's, it, it, it shows you that everyday life and how dreary it can be. But you're there with many, many, many other people doing the same thing. Yeah. You're you're a a grain of sand yeah. on a beach. And I think Tony Gilroy, he's not a fan of Star Wars, but I think he enjoys the sandbox he can playing with it that it allows him to say a lot about today's society. But because it's science fiction, like Star Trek has always done, he can say a lot about today's society by playing in that sandbox. And I think he has. For sure. And I think he enjoyed his time at Celebration. I think he got a bit of a kick out of them being all the Nakina 5 cosplayers. Oh, he loves it. He likes, he likes, you could tell he likes revealing stuff. More than what Lucasfilm wants him to reveal, too. Yeah, uh, Filoni's similar as well, but he—he's—he's he's, he's all giddy. You can see it. Like he's sitting there with his legs straight out on the stage, microphone. <laughs> like he like loves it. Absolutely loves it. Yeah, and yeah, watching yeah the the cosplayers and he's still calling Rogue One, uh, yeah, Rogue. When I was working on Rogue. <laughs> yep. Only Gilroy can get away with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating 
to see him go from someone who was quite dismissive of Star Wars. Because if you read like the articles and stuff closer to the release of Rogue One and he was like, oh, you know, this Star Wars, blah. It's, but it's obviously sat with him for a few years and he's going, actually, there's something in this. What, what has driven them to being able to sacrifice themselves? What must the Empire be like? And it's it's sat with him and and we get this amazing show and you know, saw Guerrera. Like, come on, how good is he? Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, I assume we're gonna see more of him, but uh seeing him in that one scene I it's made me happy because it's like it just seemed like something they wouldn't put in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something like you want to be in there because it makes so much sense to have him somewhere in the show. And I was like, but do they have to have him in the show? So I'm like, maybe they'll just talk about him and then he won't be in the show. But then he was in the show and I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny how it's only a few years ago that dawned on me that it was always called the Rebel Alliance, that it was all of these separate groups who decided, okay, let's come together and work together to get rid of the Empire. And it was probably in Rogue One where Mon Mothma's having to control all of these different alliances and placate all of them that, you come to go, oh, yeah, they're not one cohesive force. And we're seeing that already in Andor with Luthan's various groups. Like you, you saw Guerreras and um, and even, yeah, the group on Maldani and other stuff you must have going on. And Mon Mothma's going, what? What is happening? Yeah, it's like it's like a she's losing control. She thought she was in control, maybe. Yeah. And she's she's like, wait, stuff's just moving now, and I can't control it. Okay, here we go. Um, also, who's pulling the strings? Is it Luthen or his assistant? Assistant, quote unquote. Like, what? What's her name? Uh, it's, it sounds like Leia. It's not Leia. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like Kayla or. Yeah. Oh. Clea, Clea, maybe. Like Clea, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she seems like a really cool character we can dive into maybe in the next season. So, yeah, she'll she's amazing as well. Like her, like every red, character in this red coat. Oh, oh yeah, it's is, so yeah. funny. Like um, oh god, now I've forgotten her name and I can't forgive myself for it. But the ISB officer that we follow, Dedra, Dedra. Yeah. To Jamiro. Oh, Catherine. Oh, it's Catherine. okay. I don't remember random stuff I should remember sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. But how we follow her and the and we sort of go, oh, in this boys' club, we're sort of on her side, you know, like that she's right and she's winning against the other ISB officers. And it's like, and then we get to that final arc, he's like, oh, no, you're terrible. Yeah. You're evil too. Oh. Yeah, and that's good. That goes back to good writing. It's like, because yeah. like, you feel for her. You're like, oh, she's like the good guy of the bad guys. 
And they're like, no, she's actually really bad. Yeah. Yeah, It's a great realization when it happens. She's very efficient at her job. Yes, she is. is. And again, in that episode, in that bit, they have this amazing reference to Star Wars. It's so subtle when they slam the doors after the torturer and they follow the feet, just like the scene in A New Hope. It's like, yes, this is how you do references and Easter eggs. So good. Yeah, and, and I, I picture Tony Garrelay, like, someone coming up and be like, we should do this with that. And he'd be like, yeah, whatever, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, as long as we have this see, uh, this saying, like, well, you know, this person saying this and this person that, yeah, whatever, do what yeah. you want. Yeah. If it works, <laughs> I think he'll be on board. Um, yeah. I went to, oh, with Andy Bell, um, London Dad, as, yes. as he's been dubbed. Or Grandpa. Whatever <laughs> Um, we went to a visual effects panel about um, Andor, you know, so a bit of a making of. So they talked about how they worked on the visual and special effects that were on on site and how it was all planned well in advance in terms of the story and stuff on set and afterwards and it was all working together to try to get the best end outcome and it's like god it's so good you know because tony guru involved them in the story part of you know what can we do how can we do this and it's it's just amazing like god he does seem like a easy going get you can get along well with kind of person yeah i've you know, because I love Gareth Edwards because I, I think he did an amazing film and we don't know 100% what happened behind the scenes, but you get the feeling, well, I do anyway. It wasn't because he was making a bad film. I think there was too much story written and Tony Guroy came in and trimmed it and he snipped it down yeah snipped and it I, down and rewrote things to make it all work yes and i you can talk to my podcast buddies but they i i've been known to to bitch about the ending of rogue one um but i think it's cuz i knew that happened when i watched it or watch it again maybe yeah. and it just like sunk into me how kind of silly some of the things at the end of Rogue One. I loved the first two thirds of Rogue One. It's just mm. Scarif part seemed, yeah, it seemed like rushed slash you know issues with it. Um, overall story, loved it. Yeah, it's uh, that's funny because most people go okay once they get to Scarif, their enjoyment goes up. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah. That part of it also was the character development. There's too many characters, I think. Like people were dying and I was like not feeling anything. And then K two dies and I felt more emotional and I was like, oh. why is this happening? Winky why am I not buckets. feeling Yeah, why am I not feeling it for Bays and Sharut? And I'm in and, and I'm like super sad when K two SO dies. Like what? Anyway. Uh, 
small issues overall. Just to put it straight for everybody out there, I did like the movie. I just had issues with that scary part and maybe some of the stuff leading up for the character development. But overall, I loved it. Mads Mikkelsen is charismatic, man. He is so, and I, I'm I'm looking forward for to watching Indy. I haven't seen. I know you saw it. I I uh, haven't seen in the latest Indy yet. I hear he is he's sexy in it, at least. He's sexy and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's still charismatic is all hell. But yeah, he's um he's a Nazi. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not pro that, but you know, he's he does a good job in all his roles playing he's, whatever he is. So he's fantastic. That they're two very good acting brothers, those two. Yes. Lars. Lars. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how that goes. And you've, and you've got to watch Mission Impossible. Yes. Uh, Rebecca's in that. <laughs> Rebecca's in that. It's A very Atwell. good reason to watch it. Hayley yes. Atwell's gracing it. Yeah. Um, and those Mission Impossible movies, once Christopher McQuarrie came on board, they just got so good it's like they went yeah we know what we are we're just gonna throw tom cruise out of high places and i, I think a lot of it's his idea like tom cruise's idea oh, like yeah. he's like i just want to ride a bike off a cliff so yep. here we go yep crazy and, and he'll do it he'll train and train and train and he'll do it and have fun doing yeah. it and it's do nuts. it again and again and again until it's right. And oh, it's <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, they filmed a little, a bit of that Mission Impossible at the quarry that they filmed Andor in for Nike in England. Five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I heard you went out there with the boys. Yes. That's yes. cool. Only some light trespassing. Yeah. Amidst your, uh, you visited a lot of England stuff, like uh, roy- royalty stuff. That, yeah, yeah. Because you have a thing. History nerd, yeah. <laughs> I like that, I like that. Um, have you seen the Tudors? No, because I get too cross when things are inaccurate. Oh, it's inaccurate? Oh, my bad. Oh. Okay. I yes. watched it all. That's a... I like Henry Cavill, so I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. That was actually the first thing I saw Henry Cavill in. Yeah, he's one of those actors I'm sure he has popped up in a lot of things. I think my first real experience of him, though, was in Mission Impossible, where, where he loaded yeah. his arms. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the moustache that they had to CGI for. That was funny. That's, yeah. Oh, worth it. <laughs> yep. Um I I I'm I'm like I like history too. I'm not like on the level with Star Wars where I remember like a lot of facts. Like I don't I like read it and then somewhat forget it kind of thing with it, but I love reading it. Um 
But yeah, well. there's a lot of kings and queens. And I remember watching Tudors and just like having the wiki page up of all the names and stuff. So, well, because we were near there, we went to Chatsworth, where, yes, they filmed the movie of Pride and Prejudice, but that's where the um, Duke and Duchess of Devonshire are. And But it was sort of started because of um, this woman called Bess of Hardwick. And Hardwick Hall is not far, and we were in the gardens there as well. So, yeah, the whole family got a bit of a lecture from me about the significance of Bess of Hardwick and her relationship with Elizabeth I and how she and her hus- third husband, the Earl of Tol- Talbot, um, oh, sorry, Earl of um, Shrewsbury, uh, were the, uh, basically Mary, Queen of Scots, they kept her prisoner. She had to live with them and they were like her her waters yeah so i went to this whole big spiel so <laughs> i was like Have you... oh sorry sorry there's a movie called elizabeth am i right is that any good should i not uh, watch that watch that elizabeth with uh kate blanchett, blanchett. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah the yeah. first one's not too bad second one's there's a Not second one. I didn't know there was a second one. Yeah, Golden Age. So that's um, more about uh, the Spanish Armada, or it leads up to there. Mm. So the first one is meant to be far more in her early years of her reign, um, which is very interesting. But I'm absolutely fascinated with her time between the death of her father and her reign, like through the reign of her brother and then the reign of her sister because she was in a lot of danger through that time. There were a lot of schemes against her and involving her both with and without her consent. She was in the tower. You know, she, yeah. I can't imagine. Being a woman back then and having all that, like, I can't even imagine. Like, that must have been awful. Yeah. To then get to the throne when she's 25, and it's like, or at that age, it's like, no wonder she's not going to marry. (laughs) You know, her her sister's husband, uh, was her sister dead when he proposed to Elizabeth? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, so Philip proposed to Elizabeth before Mary was even dead. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, to try to keep, because he was the king of Spain, so he wanted to keep, you know, control of England as well. And yeah. Elizabeth's like, no. Right. <laughs> no. Um, and, yeah, so Mary always suspected Elizabeth because, of course, you know, Elizabeth being the daughter of Anne Berling and of different religion. But Elizabeth was able to go, oh, no, I'm very interested in this Catholic faith. And she played the part, but no, she's, she's fascinating. Fascinating. I know that terrible things were done in her name and, yes, but still interesting to me. And I've just ranted again. No, this is. I was trying to think which Henry the Tudors is about. How many? The one the that eighth. had eighth, and that had like 
five wives or something? Six. Six? I'm sorry. I'm so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So he divorced the first one. Did he hang one? Oh, yeah. Beheaded. Yeah. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived is the old, like, poem, like, rhyme. Ah. So, yeah, Catherine of Aragon uh, was divorced and that's why he set up the Church of England so he could have himself as the head of the, the church and go, yes, I'm authorising this divorce. Um, uh, and yes. Amber Ling, he and her had had a long-term relationship. They finally wanted to be married. She and he were married for about three years Um and she hadn't produced a male heir and there were lots of incredibly bad rumours about her being unfaithful to him and he also got it in his head that, yeah, God is punishing him because they weren't actually truly married and by this stage Catherine of Aragon had died so so he mm. um, authorised Catherine of um, sorry, Anne Boleyn's beheading, but that was with a French swordsman, so it was a relatively quick and clean death. Um, he then married Jane Seymour, who yep, had Edward the Eighth. No, sorry, Edward the Sixth, um, and she died a few days afterwards. He then married a couple of years later. Married Anne of Cleves, who was a German princess, and he hadn't seen beforehand. She landed on shore and they didn't really see eye to eye because she was very, very sheltered and he called her ugly and it's like, oh, she's so ugly I can't perform with her um, <laughs> in that sense. And he was so angry at having been forced to have married her. That's one of the reasons of um, Cromwell's uh, fall from power, Thomas Cromwell's yeah. fall from power. So... They divorced, but she accepted the divorce and so she became a very wealthy woman um, and was treated as the king's sister. Then he married Catherine Howard. He was in his 50s by then, but grossly overweight. She was 17. Um, yep, and she, yes, was unfaithful and she was beheaded. Then he married um, Catherine Parr, who'd been married a few times before and she knew how to look after old men and she was a, a pretty staunch um, Protestant. She kept that fairly under wraps during his lifetime, but afterwards it came out far more. But then um, she was the guardian of Elizabeth and, she, and then Catherine married... Seymour, one of the Seymour's brothers, and yeah, she died um, giving birth. Um, but yeah, that Seymour, he mm. did he kind of likes to say he was grooming Elizabeth, and that was gave the court suspicion about Elizabeth. That's why she was in trouble during Edward's reign. Um, yeah, so oh, I've just ranted again. Sorry, everyone. No, but like it's fascinating how the the line goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it, wow. it, for for me, my interest 
in history is about how the personalities who are in power at that time has shaped how our society is today. So the reason we have, you know, parliaments and all of that set up the way we do, you know, you can link it back to even, you know, 1066 and how, you know, William the Conqueror came in with with the barons and they expected to have share far more power with him even though he was going to be king. And then the, the um, Magna Carta, you know, again, the barons were like, no, you can't tax us without our consent. Yes, the, the whole, you know, no taxation without representation actually goes back to the Magna Carta and King John. Um, oh. That sort of idea that, you know, the barons were like, you can't just tax us, you have to get our consent. And that's of where we started to get the idea of like the parliaments that we have even today within the Westminster system. And, of course, the Church of England or Anglicans that got set up under Henry VIII and then Elizabeth II, sorry, Elizabeth I, and the way it is the way now is that it's basically a compromise between the hardline Protestants and the Catholics of the times, you know, keeping a lot of the Catholic um, traditions within it but doing something slightly different. And that was the compromise that was found under Elizabeth I because Henry liked all the stuff within um, the Catholic faith. He just didn't like the Pope. He just wanted to divorce. Yeah, he, he didn't like the Pope dictating what he could and could not do. Yeah, from Italy. He, yeah. yeah, he didn't like the churches having so much money and land and power within England. So he dissolved the monasteries and things and gave that land to his supporters and himself to enrich themselves. So you know, a big land grab. Yeah. But there's always been tension between kings and church. Like, you know, cause, oh, yeah. So, yeah, church during my trip, yeah, I went back. I went to Canterbury Cathedral because that's where Thomas Beckett was um, murdered and, you know, not so much on the say of Henry II, but they were in conflict at the time. So knights went and killed Thomas Beckett and later he was canonised. But that was the point in which, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, um, yeah, slaughtered. And it's just interesting, this whole tension both institutions wanting power within the countries and yet the the catholic church the amount of power they they wielded is just astonishing and how rich well i i yeah i grew up catholic and i kind of still am but like (laughs) i do understand the power that they wielded in the probable fear that they had of losing it and what they would have had to do to prevent them from losing it. So, you know, who knows? 
what actually happened back then. But yeah. Power doesn't <laughs> panic. That's right. And we're back to Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Yes. So thank you so much for coming on. Where can the good people of the internet find you? Uh, I guess on Twitter, Scruffy Ed B. I'm on there not really much anymore, though. Uh, and also do a podcast, <laughs> Scruffy Looking Podcasters. Uh, find us on anything, Scruffy Looking Podcasters with uh, you- Chris. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, have you made it over to one of the Twitter clones yet, like Threads or Blue Sky or? Not yet. I'm waiting for someone to be like, we're all over here now, and then I'm going to go, like like friends-wise. But like, yeah. I keep hearing, like, it's kind of good, and I don't know. I'm just waiting. Yeah, Threads is just a fire hose of content. It's, it's, it's just not people you follow. It's just randomness. Blue Sky, because it's invite only, there's very limited as to what you're seeing. And it's very clearly still in beta mode. Like it's just design-wise, you go, oh, this is 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we'll see what happens, what shakes out. I don't know. I'm not at the edge of my seat. You can probably tell. No. No. Yeah, it's everyone's finding different means, I think, of keeping their their communities that they want to so yeah yep but yeah but yes i recommend the scruffy looking podcast for everyone it's just great fun and um you know kev's weeks always a good 30 minutes listen a to. good <laughs> yep <laughs> you know it's it's our podcast is funny because we started out like oh we'll do news we'll break down trailers we'll do we'll sketch we'll do do uh, a lot of um predicting like what's gonna happen like whatever and uh it's turned into just us talking about our lives and just having it be a a, a vessel for like mental stability for us like you know keeping up with friends talking about stuff you like and that's what we're gonna keep it at because it's good for us and we're not we don't want to make it work or anything you know it's fun yeah i mean the most work is give true and false episodes so (laughs) i can't wait for that i have a true or false for you that i'll send in um, about ahsoka Good, and good. then, of course, the arguments about about the true and false at the end of the series. Yep, yep, that always happens. Yeah. Yeah. Did that actually happen? Or how was it worded? Yeah, that always happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to be so precise in your wording of the true or false. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. So, yes, I'm on Twitter at Catherine underscore Neen, and the podcast is at that geek pod i'm on threads uh the podcast hasn't made it over there yet because you can't switch between accounts very easily so yeah can't be bothered doing that i'm not a very good social media (laughs) yeah well thank you for having me it's it's been a pleasure it's a really good time just thanks all the tangents 
were perfect. <laughs> oh, I love a tangent. Love a tangent. That geek pod will return. <laughs>